Lesky. <laughs> Lesky earlier at the Lesky. Sorry. That's quite all right. I was telling him, I'm like, if you hear something ticking in the mailbox from me, then you shouldn't probably open it. You know, it's uh, no, it's one of those weird spelling names that everybody gets wrong. So no, no worries at all. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I have destroyed a lot of names in my life. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, Arabic friends. If you don't know, there's a lot of Egyptians that are in this group because I spent over in Cairo. And uh, they've got the best names, but the pronunciations, woohoo! <laughs> I was uh, I was doing a show, and I was joking with a guy beforehand. I was doing the pre-interview. Uh, for most of you that don't know, most of the time what you do is pre-interview before we actually get started on, on a lot of these things. And so I'm doing the pre-interview. I, I butcher his name, and then he corrected me, and I said, oh, man, okay, you know, I got to work on that because I'm always butchering these names. And then we start the show. And what do I do? I immediately butcher his name and I just start laughing and he's laughing. And I'm like, yep, that we just talked about this right beforehand. So, you know, it, it happens, you know, we just roll with it. Kevin says the humor is about the only thing. So anyway, this is take two. <laughs> Jeremy has uh, been started telling his story about how and where he became passionate about um, inspiring life change with people. And um, let me just, I think the thing to do is uh, give a, maybe a 30 second little quick people don't have to go back to the first video. Oh no, they got to go back to the first video. They got to replay it. That's mandatory. No. Okay, great. <laughs> so we'll leave it right there. Welcome to self achievement Network. Jeremy was telling a, sto a story about how he became, you know, passionate about what he's doing right now. He's, he, he inspires life change. So you grew up in... Um, you dad was, uh, you know, uh, had a lot of anger issues, uh, you know, was uh, abusive in and out of juvenile detention center, psychiatric units. Uh, I was saying I lived out of my car at 18 and then we were getting uh, 19. I was the getaway driver in a robbery. Um, right. and, and we were talking about that and I ended up doing 10 years in prison. So oh. yes, 19 years old. So it was, uh, it was definitely a complete, uh, wake up call. And so, but, you know, honestly, in prison, prison saved my life. Uh, a few of my friends that I were with have either overdosed and are dead right now or are doing life sentences in prison. Um, and so, you know, it was as rough as it was. It, it, I am honestly thankful for going. I'm not thankful for what happened that evening uh, because what happened was very ugly. It was terrible. Uh, but, uh, you know, what happened because of that, me going to prison, uh, I went and got my GED. I went to college. I spent that time really working on who I was and, and bettering who I was going to be because I knew when I got the deck was going to be stacked against me. Uh, you know, can't find jobs. You can't find anything. I knew that I was going to have to make my own way in life. And so, um, you know, in prison did that, uh, I got out. The only job I could find really was a being a bouncer in a bar. So about 50 bucks a night, I'm getting bottles broken over my head, jumping in the middle of, fun. uh, you know, it was just definitely a, uh, interesting world. But the cool thing was, is, is that my parents were going to this little church and they were sending me letters before I got out of prison. So I went to this little church out of obligation. These guys sent me some letters. I better go, you know, because they sent them to me in arms. They were loving people and they accepted me into their homes, their families. Uh, they gave me a job at the church working as a secretary. 
I, I had to have been the worst secretary in the world. I mean, gosh, I was doing the one finger peck. I was, you know, I, I didn't know how the internet, what they didn't have the internet. Now they're like, well, just Google it. What's a Google? I, how do, how do I do this? <laughs> it was <laughs> completely crazy. But um, the cool thing was, is there were some teens that were there that they had some troubled teens. They had questions in life. And for some reason, these kids looked up to me and, uh, okay, talking with them and working with them. And then other churches were calling me, Hey, would you come talk with our youth group? Okay, sure. And and then it became a thing. And I started talking to more youth groups and I started talking to more adult groups. And then I was going all over in Illinois, uh, speaking at all these different groups and these little conferences, things like that. Uh, no big time. The company went under, uh, you know, I stopped with speaking engagements. I was trying to figure out who I was and I decided to carry a cross. I went through what I call my forced gump phase just trying to figure out and deal with all the garbage and process. And it was like, okay, I'm going to carry this cross. And wow. so, yeah, you know, I started in Rockford, Illinois, down to Bald Knob Cross in Alto Pass. So Southern Illinois, uh, it was a heck of a journey. See, man, in a good yeah. way. I said, you're crazy in a good way. I was like, you walked all the way then. I know, I mean, I'm live next door in Indiana. I've been all over Illinois. That's a long way. And I'm probably maybe 40 south, way north. Yeah, absolutely. We we wanted to pick one of the most northern spots to start. And, uh, you know, Rockford was it. And then we walked down Old 51 and then 51. Of course, there's a few spots where you can't walk. And we had to, to bypass and then just went to towns. But uh, it was an incredible journey. It pushed me physically than I'd ever been pushed before. Uh, it was a great uh, time of discovery. So many different stories and people that I met along the way. I saw so many people that were just broken. And I can tell you, I am not a Mr. Holier Than Thou. I am just me. I don't go quoting scripture. I tell you the truth. I mean, I've read the Bible a few, but you say, I, I can't tell you where scripture's at in the Bible, all these other things. That's not me. Um so it was just really unique that I'm carrying this cross. And, uh, you know, the first one that we had made, somebody made it, was made out of four by fours. And that thing was way too heavy. And somebody came along and made one out of PVC, the, the wood that you see on fencing. Yeah, and yeah. we used wood grain duct tape. And we limited, and you couldn't even tell unless you came up on this thing. It was so great, but it was so light. We had the wheels on the bottom and just put it over my shoulder and, you know, just went to town. It was really cool experience. Wore out some shoes. Wore out some shoes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The, you know, I was, miles a day. I was working with another guy. He was supposed to do 10 miles. I was going to do 10 miles. About two weeks before the event, he dropped out. Whoa. So it was from me training to do 10 miles yeah, a day to doubling that. And I remember I'm sitting there praying ahead of time, like, God, give me the strength to do 10 miles a day. Then when he dropped out and I'm going, God, I'm sorry. I complained about the <laughs> go back. To that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it was it, it, just like I said, I could go into so many stories with that. But the amazing thing was is that I got a real eye opener on how many people were just truly, truly just broken on the streets that were in need of a little bit of hope that just to see, you know, that was amazing to see this person running up and begging to do it. And so many people, I could tell you story, story after story of being in these neighborhoods where people just came up out of the blue 
and just touched the cross and just started breaking down. And people that don't go to church, people that just, and just amazing. And it's a good looking guy. And I, you know, am very charismatic, but I, I highly doubt that's what it was that created all these people to, to draw to that cross and to break down. Uh, you know, you're right. <laughs> nice looking guy. He doesn't even have any gray hair in his beard. Look at that. Uh, you know, yeah, thank God for uh, just for men beard. I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, hey, there is no shame in it. I, you know, I've, I, I lost my hair in my 20s. Thank you uh, to my mother's side of the family. This guy, yeah, yeah, this guy is showing off over here. We were talking earlier in the show and he was talking about how he has to wash his hair and do all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, but you're awesome. <laughs> you know, that's what I tell everybody, you know, it's, I just go, <laughs> no, I, I just love to have fun in life. You know, we've got to laugh. We've got to have joy in life. Uh, you know, just the things just going up to prison. We haven't even got stuff I faced in, in people are just amazed. They're going after all the stuff you faced, you're always still smiling. You always, you know, bringing joy to people. And honestly, that's the only thing I've got to live for is to bring hope and joy to people. Without that, I don't know who I am. That's what I've been geared towards my whole life and building towards was really, to, I really truly believe that's what we're all meant to do is to be there to help lift one another up. And when we're not fulfilling that in our life, we're missing a very key element and we're walking around going, why don't I feel true joy? Why don't I feel happiness? Well, it's because we're not doing what we were called to do, which is to really reach out and be there. For, so, but we can get into all that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a big topic. You're all automatically invited back. So, um, oh, great deal. We'll all right, be on each other's shows. So, your podcast is called what again? Ethos. It's called Ethos Shift. Um, ethos is a really cool word. Yeah. Um, the reason I chose ethos shift, well, first now it's, it causes people to stop and ask that question, which I love. Uh, you know, you see a lot of names and it's self-explanatory and they're going, okay, cool. But now people are going, why, what, what does this mean? Um, ethos is a really cool word that I love because in the speaking world, there's a, a triangle of speaking and ethos. I am my story, my credibility, my, oh, Get it backwards. There we go. <laughs> you got to blow it up. Yeah, it's um, you know, and that's really important. The other, the other cool thing about ethos is it also stands for the character, essence, and spirit of a community, which is really, really. All. My focus is to let people know not only do you have the power to change yourself and do some awesome, extraordinary things. You also have the ability to change your community and the world around you. Mm. And that's why I love it. And so the reason I wrote, chose the word ethos is because of that. And shift is because I want people to shift the way that their community. I want them to understand, again, the power and the influence that each and every one of us has. You know, there's people that are probably listening to this right now going, well, I don't have much to offer. Well, that's a darn lie. You have experiences. You have faced loss. You have felt heartbreak. You have overcome these different things. You might even be in a state of heartbreak and brokenness. And you know what? That's a time where you can learn to build yourself with that, hear from others, and use that experience to help others that are in that exact same boat. So each and every one of us has this awesome, 
awesome ability to really change our environment. And so that's really what I'm about. I, I always talk about this guy right here. This is one of our subgroups called Life Plan. And that's exactly, you know, so a lot of people say, well, I don't really know what my calling is. I don't know what I, you know, I've done this, I've done that. And I said, run yourself to this program right here where you can sit down, like just erase the chalkboard and start over with like, who, and then begin to do it in a real practical way. So, I mean, I commend you. What you're doing, man, is freaking amazing. So thank you. It's very well needed in the world and wanted. And people, I'm sure, get lots of value and get inspired by you. Well, take us back to, I know you probably, you know, you, you talk about the prison thing, 10 years. That's a long yeah. time to be in. How, in that moment that, that you got the sentence, right? How did, take us to that moment. You're sitting there someplace and then all of a sudden, boom, 10 years. I mean, how did you feel in that moment? Well, I have to, there's a little bit of a backstory behind that leads for that moment. So I've got to give you the whole essence in order to really do that. So when I first got locked up, um, you know, the, um, this lawyer comes to me and he says, you're doing three years, you're going to do three years. Oh, wow. Okay. Three years. And it took me a while to process that. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to be going to just do a little bit of religion here because it's foundation of where I started. So I picked up this Bible and I looked at God as a magic genie to get me out of this situation and I'm praying and fasting. And then the lawyer comes to me and he says, um, I have bad news. You're going to be doing six years. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing six years. Holy criminy. Um, and so I'm sitting here praying and fasting. God, when I go to court and get this sentence, Lord, give me, you know, less time. I, I believe in you. I'm rub rubbing the Bible as my magic genie. You're going to let me out. You know, this is, you know, okay. I learned my lesson, blah, blah, blah. So when I go to court, um, you know, all of a sudden the judge, I'm sitting there and the judge says, you're getting 10 years. Wow. Wait, what, what happened to six years? This I mean, so I was completely blindsided. I was going in expecting the worst was going to be six years. And then this judge told me that. And I looked at my lawyer like, I, I mean, at that point, I'm, I'm hurt. Right. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm looking at him like, I want to strangle you. What's going on? And he's like, don't worry. Well, we'll work on the appeal. We'll get this taken care of. And, uh, uh, you know, he's telling me this in court. And I'm, I'm just so I went completely numb. It was the shock from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Now I'm going to be honest about something here. Uh, the families in my case, uh, the people that went into the, that did the robbery shot and killed two people. Now I did not know that this had happened at the time, even after we left, it was a little while later that I found out. Honestly, when I was in there, I was more concerned about what was happening in my life than I was about the families and the victims. Uh, you know, of all that. So it was all about me at that point still. And I was just concerned about me and, and didn't really care. But um, and I and I know that is a little off the, the topic here, but I just wanted to throw that mentality where I was at the time. Sure. Oh, no, that's that's exactly it. man. it's it's why we're here. But uh, yeah, it, so uh, yeah, it, it became numb and it took me a while. And I went back and processed. I went to psychiatric and they gave me meds, of course, to help you know, make the pain of that go down a little bit. So I'm on these psych meds that are making me, you know, almost like a zombie, uh, things like that, because it was just too much to process for me at the time. Um, never heard from that lawyer again, by the way, that they, after that court day, couldn't get a hold of them. No, it, it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It just vanished, um, on my family and my, myself. But, uh, 
yeah, it, it was it was a heck of a pill to swallow. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So, what was the turning point where you realized, oh my God, I, I've been thinking about all about me, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, what about those people that had their family taken away from? Um. Well, I'll tell you, it 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 was a process, and and gosh, I can't tell you a defining moment. I started thinking more about them. Probably, okay. So this is the kind of process when you get in prison. All right, first you have the denial stage, just like anything else. That's no, it can't be possible. There was a mistake. Blah blah blah. Uh, then the second phase is okay. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to, and and you're counting on that. So you're filing all these things to try and get your time down. You spend the second half or the first half of your time fighting in these courts with the expectation that you're going to get out. Um, then there's the phase once you hit about your halfway point or you're a little past your halfway point where you're going, you know, I've already done half my time. I can do the rest. And that's really about the point where I started getting more acceptance. So I'd have to say it was around seven years in before I tr truly started thinking about the families. And I wish I could say it was a lot earlier, um, you know, and I wish, uh, you know, it was, but it took me a long time. I'm a hard headed guy. So it takes me a while sometimes, but about seven years in, but I'll have you to tell a hard -headed you. guy. Yes. I am. <laughs> now you're an enlightened being. Uh, I said, you were a hard-headed guy. Now you are an enlightened being. Uh, sure, sure. We'll go with, I am enlightened, but I still have that hard head. I still keep banging it against the wall when I shouldn't be. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, but it's that stubbornness in me that helped me endure through a lot of times where a lot of people would have quit, where I just wouldn't give up. I, sometimes when I get some thoughts in my, my head, I am like that pit bull with a bone. I latch on and I just don't let go. Uh, you know, when it comes to things, but um, to kind of go back to where we were at, uh, that's with the family. But when I truly changed in life, now I had Jesus in my life at that time, I was going to church, things like that. The teenagers that I was working with when I got out are what truly changed my life. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you what happened here. The one thing about prison is when you go in, you can go in and you become a super criminal. Now you have connections. Now you have all these people that do these different things. And over 10 years, you get to know a lot of people and you build a lot of connections. So I had this little book of different connections of people that were buyers, sellers, all these other things, enforcers, whatever I wanted, I had in this little book at the touch of a phone call. So I had this little book with me and here I am. huh? So it is true. About what? About when you go into prison, you become a better criminal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, even though I was still working on educating myself with stuff, it was still, you make all these connections and things. And sometimes it's just, you get to know people and like people, and but they, they are connected with some other people. And it, it can just be a trap that, hey, because I know these people so well, I'm going to get back in touch with them. And uh, you know, there, there are some people that I was locked up with that I still keep in contact with to this day uh, mm -hmm. that are very good people that have worked hard when they got out and, and stuff. But uh, so I had this little book and uh, again, I was telling you, I was bouncing in bars for 50 bucks a night. Electricity is about to get turned off. I, I'm beaten. I'm broken. I'm tired. Um, I'm just frustrated. And I'm sitting there with this little book and I'm going, you know, just a couple phone calls 
It's all I need to make or do. And I can make a little bit of money, get out of the situation, get ahead a little bit. Nobody would know. I'd be okay. And then I started thinking about those kids. I started thinking about the stuff I was telling those kids and those kids that were looking up to me. Mm. And I realized if I do this, if I pick that phone up and call these people, that everything I told those kids is a lie. That was the moment that I truly changed. Speaking with forked tongue. Absolutely. Yeah. And what if they, what if I got caught? What, what would these kids think? What would it do to their lives? All of a sudden it stopped becoming about me. It was amazing. It was just like, it started becoming about what the influence on these other people would be. What would happen with them? Mm-hmm. If this happened to me going back to prison. Look, I did 10 years. It's no big deal. I can go back. I, not that I want to trust me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to. But it's not a fear anymore. Somebody said, okay, you're going to do two years. Well, that's a vacation for me right now. I'll kick my (laughs) feet up and all right, good deal. I got my, you know, it's, but when I really started thinking about, uh, you know, somebody asked if I did the full 10 years, I did nine years, 11 months. Mm. So one month shy of 10 years. Um, But, uh, you know, that is truly that moment where my thinking shifted for me and went down a complete, started really going down that completely different path. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a long story to your quick question. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's just to me, and I I can't even imagine. I mean, I have one friend that uh, we were very good friends and he he ended up going to prison. It was one of the saddest days of my life. And uh, so I I have that personal experience, you know. And it, it's interesting to me because, I mean, the, the, that guy had he earned a, a bachelor's degree. He, you know, he totally, completely just turned it around because he got it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you said that you really uh, appreciated going to, what would you say, about prison? You, not that you deserved it, but you, you I don't know, you, see, you appreciate it or something. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like. You know, you 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 know, you you did what you did, and yeah. then you paid for what you did. You know, and so you can either use that time to, like we're doing right now in isolation, to reflect and make some, you know, some serious changes that need to be made, or you can do nothing. And when you choose to do something with it, like you did, it's honorable. And I love what you were talking about in terms of, you know, credibility and re- you know, reputation, all that stuff. It's like I say to people all the time, you know, we. Like these circles behind me, these are our subgroups, right? And so, yeah. like in Life Plan, my group, okay, I used to teach these courses, and uh, my mentor would say to me all the time, "Oh, you want to be the stage on the stage, you know?" And I'd be like, "Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of cool. That would be great, and you know, that looks like a real prestigious job and all that." And he said, "You know what? That's not what this is about." And he said to me a couple of times, he said. Anybody can read from a manual. Yeah. You know, you can get up there and flip the pages and just talk from, you know, but this, if, if you're not talking from your personal experience, you have no credibility. So I tell everybody, you want to be part of the self-achievement network, you earn your, you know, you get it, you do topic discussions about what you're passionate about. So people can get to see who you are, what you've been through the depth of your knowledge and then if you have a course or you have a service then people can purchase with full trust you know 
And, and I think that, that, that the choice that you made about not going, you know, and opening that little book was a that's a very smart decision. It's a great story because everybody can learn from that. You know? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, we talk about character. You know, there's, believe it or not, there are actually some good things about being in prison. One of them is in prison, the only thing you have is your character. If you steal from somebody, you are now a thief. You are always labeled a thief. If you lie to somebody, you are a liar. You are always labeled a liar. You can't do something to somebody and not have to face the consequences. There's nowhere to run. You have to deal with that individual. There's no, well, I'm going to block them. I'm just not going to pick up the phone. Uh, no, it's you have to deal face to face when you talk about somebody behind their back or you do something to somebody. And so my character, I was very proud of that. People in prison knew who I was because of my character. When I said I was going to do something, I did it. When I treated people with respect, uh, you know, there's other things to it, but, you know, it, it really helped me when I came out to understand the value of a personal character. Um, now, I, I wish that, you know, I could say that it's completely unblemished since being out. Unfortunately, we run into things in life that uh, keeps us from being able to fulfill all the promises that we make to people. Um, but I own up to those when I when I can't fulfill those promises and let people know. But uh, a lot of people out here in general, as we were talking about before on Messenger, on, on, on social media, how people are talking to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of going, what kind of character does that show? If you get on and you're calling somebody's names, that's defining you. You're showing your character and people don't realize that. And they're, they're just dismissing the importance of their own personal character and their own value. And so that's where, you know, it's something that people need to realize more and understand that and respect other people's, you know, character as well. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's just kind of, so kind of went the into first topic for our topic discussion after because i mean to me okay so i'm uh, i'm person x and i'm listening to jeremy talk about character i'm like who cares about character why why would it be why is it why is it important to have character and what would be if i wanted to develop character like a depth of character like a real depth a person of, of substance, you know, not like seriousness, but of substance, right? Yeah. How would I develop it? I mean, you mentioned, you know, when I said I was going to do something, I did it. Yeah. Stop. I didn't talk to people behind their back. You know, that that's like you can't do that. It's not like you can read a book and build character. It doesn't happen. Right. You know? So, I, I mean, okay. So there's our first topic discussion right there. Well, I'll tell you what real quick that, that helps me with that. Now, whether you believe in the Bible, you don't believe in the Bible. To me, it's a foundation for my beliefs. One of the things that, uh, and this applies whether you believe or don't believe in the Bible, is the disciples of Jesus came to him and they said, hey, Jesus, out of all the commandments that are out of there, you know, thou shall not kill, thou shall not destroy, thou shall not run somebody's credit card up, whatever it is, you know, that it says, they said, uh, you know, what is the most valuable of this? And he says, I'll tell you what it is. Love your God, your father, with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he said, and the second thing is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
and everything else will just follow underneath that. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. That's the whole Bible broken down very simply into two sentences. Love your God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, if you are treating your neighbor badly, then what's that saying about how you feel for yourself? You reflect how you are to other people. So if you are full of anger and bitterness, you're going to betray that. You're going to treat other people using that anger and bitterness in other ways. So you really need to, and it comes down to what kind of person do you really want to be to, in order to love yourself? My God, That's where it's at. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really down to that. And then, you know, in order to do that, now we're coming back to your passion. What is your passion? And there is a difference between passion and purpose as well. So, you know, you need to understand what your passion is and you got to understand your purpose in the world. Until you truly understand that, you are not going to be as effective as you need to be in order to reach out to other people. Now, uh, when I was carrying the cross, I was passionate about reaching people. And I was living in a purpose, but I didn't understand that was my true purpose at the time. So mm -hmm. even though I was effective, I still wasn't at my 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 real potential with that. Right. And like I said we can get into more discussions about that, but that's where it comes right. to character. Do you love yourself? If and do you treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself? That's really very simple. And once you start doing, would you would you want somebody lying to you? No. All right, so then don't lie to somebody. Would mm. you want somebody stealing from you? No. Well, then don't steal from somebody. And then you'll see your character. Uh, you know, would you want somebody to help you when you have a whole bunch of furniture that needs moved? Yes. Well, then if you have time, help somebody that needs some furniture that needs moved. I mean, it's very, very simple, but we've made it so complex. Mm. We've made it seem like this difficult, impossible task. And so we don't even face it. And it's going, you know, it's simple. Yeah. You're right. It is. I mean, people don't want to be inconvenienced. I mean, I certainly don't want to be inconvenienced. And I understand, like, you know, when I, I, I go to the supermarket with my mask, and I have seen in different neighborhoods where people are together, and this was a couple of weeks ago before, you know, they started to, you know, like, like lighten up a little bit. But still, I'm just like, what, what team are you guys on, you know? And uh, it, it's... I feel like I have done the this whole isolation thing the right way. So I have no regrets, no, you know, nothing like that. So anyway, it's not about Dominic being a hero. I think that if we if we want to have like asking ourselves the question, what is my purpose in life? How many people don't ask themselves that question? How many people don't even know to ask themselves that question? You know what I mean? How many people don't really know that there is a, another level of of existence where you can have uh, like I don't know what the word is, but like having the feeling of having true character. That's right. A, you know what I mean? You don't know what that experience is until you begin to have those experiences, and then one day, oh well, I did honor my word, and then I oh, I did it again, and now I feel even more. Uh, whatever that word is, you know, and that, you know what I mean? And it, and it yeah, absolutely. You feel that fulfillment. You really do. You'll feel that fulfillment in yourself when you do that. Uh, you know, we just had, we just had Easter. And so there was a message and it came across to me and I've heard the Easter message numerous times. I mean, you know, we all have Jesus died for you on the cross, stuff like that. Okay. We have heard this. 
what I really, you know, Jesus always, when he, when he did this, and I know I talked about Jesus, it's, it's because this is my reference that I use, uh, again, in my foundation, and I'm not trying to force this down anybody, um, but, you know, he always led by example. When he died on that cross, he was giving another example. And I'm not telling people to get nailed on a cross, go jump in a volcano, any crazy stuff like that, become a martyr. But what he showed was sacrifice for others. The only way he was able to transcend to that next level was to sacrifice for other people. So like you were talking about inconvenience, uh, time. I need to sacrifice time to help other people. I really don't want to sacrifice my time to help other people. You know, wow. Okay. You know, we have people that need some help. Just take a little bit of your time, make that. I know it's inconvenient for that, but that small sacrifice, once you do it, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself feeling fulfilled. You're going to sit there and go, wow, you know what? And you're going to find yourself doing it again. I guarantee mm -hmm. it. And then it'll happen again. And it'll, it almost becomes an infection. And then you, you, you just see so many lives start changing when you do these things. And it starts with these minor inconveniences in your life. But when you just get past that and do that little bit of a sacrifice, then it starts going to that next level for you. So yeah. fulfilled. I like that word. Full of fill. What does that mean? <laughs> Full of fill. I fulfilled every time I go to Golden Corral. I tell you, that is, uh, they, they actually, somebody said that they go, okay, where, when, when this Corona thing is done and they were talking about vacation destination, they say, where would you, where do you want to go to the most after this is done? And I said, golden corral. That's <laughs> I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go eat. Yeah. Give me some of that. Great. Oh my goodness. All under one roof. I know. Grits and potatoes. Oh gosh, they got everything you want there. I love it. I know, I know. So, where's your happy place? I mean, is like you know, like your zone when when you're up speaking or when you're doing like I don't know, one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. You mentioned that you were working with some teens and stuff, or is it on your bicycle? I mean, I don't know. Where's your happy spot? Uh, you know, honestly, it is. Um, either on, you know, anywhere I'm with people and talking with people, it's just, it's amazing. Whether it's just doing what we're doing right now, I could do podcasts all day, seven days a week with different people. I'm, I'm a machine because to me, this isn't working. I feel like I'm slacking off doing this, even though other people are, you know, I've already had other people that go, you just did five shows in a day. Yeah, I, I know. I could have done probably seven or eight. And I, I know I, I was slacking and they're going, we don't do five in a month. What are you talking? And I'm going, yeah, but right. to me, it's just, I love it. Uh, you know, because I get to know people, uh, sharing the message in. And so doing this, even the one-on-one -on, -one on the streets, I love that. Um, you know, I get that personal time with people everywhere I go. I don't mean to, it's not like I go out saying I want to preach to people or do anything like that. I just genuinely care about people. So, and I've been through a lot in life. And so people don't intimidate me. I've, I've been locked up with killers and all these other people and had to deal with that. You know, people with a bad attitude out here don't even phase me. Okay. We're, we're good. Uh, I have thick skin. You can come and scream and yell at me and I will just stand there patiently until you're done. 
and be able to talk with you. And I've had that happen numerous times where people do it, but I just go up to strangers and just start talking to them, whether it's in the grocery store, whether it's in a parking lot, wherever. I generally just care about people and get to know them. And it's awesome to see how many people just start opening up. I, I meet somebody, uh, you know, and within five minutes, they're opening and showing me pictures of all their family members and talking about things. And I'm a complete stranger. And to me, that's not a burden. To me, that's an honor that somebody mm -hmm. can just sit here and go, I'm pouring out all the garbage in my life to you, to a complete stranger, and see a transformation happen with people just in a, in a heartbeat. And, and again, it's just because taking the time. And so many people want to share what they have with other people. They just either don't know it or they're afraid to, or they don't want to admit things to their friends and family that they're holding up. They put this mask on and go out with this fake, you know, smile on their face when deep down they're broken. And it's much easier for them to just pour out to a complete stranger than to people they know. Mm. What am I going to do with their story? You know, mm -hmm. uh, okay. You know, um, and so whether it's doing that, whether being on the stage one-on-one -on -one, doing this, I love it the whole time I'm doing this, but um, you know, so, so, so what's the challenging part of what you do that, you know, that, that helps you to get stronger and get better and grow? Um, really, it's the, the more questions people are asking me, uh, you know, what really helped me is when I go to schools, when I've gone to places, especially with teenagers, they'll ask you some really hard questions. Like you asked a hard question at sentencing. How did you feel? That's a tough question. You know, you know, it's things like that. Like, um, you know, everybody's wanting me to write my book and I'm going, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I, I don't like typing, but I'm going to do a podcast with my story. And I'm sitting here and I'm reflecting, I'm going, you know, the hard part is, is that I actually have to go back and relive each one of those moments. Mm -hmm. I have to share how I felt. No, it's easy to go and just give my testimony. Yeah, I did prison. I, I did this. I did this. But when people start asking those serious questions, how did you feel at this particular moment? What kind of thoughts were going through your head? Now I have to turn the automatic mode off. Now I have to stop and really reflect and put myself back in that situation, put myself back at that time and relive that in order to do it. Because the moment I hide that, the moment I clam up and put this mask on or generalize, I lose the person I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. I have to go and do that. And it's so tough, but each time it helps push me and it's bringing that out. So I am still facing this. Uh, you know, I'm talking with somebody, uh, well, I, uh, uh, Tamara, actually, she's working with this guy, Steve Sims, and he goes into prisons. And I've been talking for years. I need to go back into prisons and prisons. And now it's going, okay, I need to go back into prisons. And now I got to face this. This is a fear for me. I'm still 12 years later having dreams. The other night I had a dream and I wake up and I'm still, where am I? It, it takes me a moment to realize I'm not in prison at the moment. And mm -hmm. it, it takes a while to reorient. And, you know, I used to have them all the time. And now it's, you know, very, very few. So this is something I have to face and it's going to push me to grow. So doing this constantly pushes me to grow as I'm doing this. And so it's a challenge that's a very difficult challenge, but it's one that I have to do 
and, and I have to face this challenge and overcome it each step with this in order to do what I need to be doing, which is to reach people. Mm -hmm. Great. I think that I, mean, I was just relating to that because I, I, I have dozens of examples, I'm sure, just popping out of the top of my head. But recently, like waking up uh, three, four weeks ago, realizing that in this mess that we're in globally, like, is this really happening? And letting that sink in is, is a, it was, has been horrifying. And for you to wake up in the morning and realize that you're not in prison is probably like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's kind of crazy as now it's, um, even it, it's really hard to explain, but even now in my dreams, I understand I'm not truly locked up. Like before it was really difficult when I was dreaming, I really felt like I was locked up and that being out was the dream. Now, when I dream it, it's more of, I know this is kind of a dream. So when I wake up, I don't have that shock factor. It's still, uh, I don't know where I am for a moment, but I'm able to really brush that off now. Like, okay, no big deal. It's not before it used to shake me. I'd be, it would take me hours to reorient my mind and get me back grounded and going, okay, you know, this is okay. You're all right. You know, it just, it would shake me to my core. And I wouldn't tell people that they don't understand that. And, and so it was something I really kept to myself when it came to doing a lot of that, but mm. it used to be really bad, but you know, thank God over time, I've been able to cope with that a lot better. That's great. Um, so when you're not podcasting, what do you, what are you doing? I mean, what do you, where do you go to burn off energy? You go out to the, you're in Arizona, you got a mountain bike. I mean, what do you do? Um, honestly, uh, so one of, one of my escapes is piano. Uh, my, really? I, yeah, it's crazy because what's funny is, is that I was one of the least musically inclined people you would probably meet. Um, I didn't listen to the radio. You'd come to me and tell me about some artist and I'd go, who is that? Um, they're the number one seller. Where are you living? Are you living? I, I just don't listen to music. I don't care about it. My mom used to play piano when I was a kid. They tried to give me lessons, but that was chaos. No, trying to, I was severe ADD. It just didn't take. Um, but when my mom, excuse me, when my mom passed, I was at a buddy's house and I was just, uh, and he had a piano in his garage and I was at his piano again, doing the one finger type thing. And he sat down next to me and he said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to show you something real quick and try this. And and he did it and I was able to do it. And he goes, well, okay, let's do this. And he did it. So uh, long story short, I ended up being at his house every day for three weeks while um, getting stuff ready to move back out here to help my father. And, uh, you know, and so he, at the end of three weeks, he was like, man, you, you've learned the basics that I know. Cause he was a guitar guy. He's like, I don't know much about piano, but you learned the basics. He got me an electric piano. Somebody donated one. It was a thousand dollar piano. And he said, I'm, I got this donated to you. There's and he said, huh? Losing you. Oh, there we go. Wow. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's really cool because they donated. And he says, I, you got to promise me you'll practice every day. Okay. All right. I will do that. And I have now I'm going to be honest. Uh, so it's been about three and a half years and I do not know how to read music. I play everything by ear. Honestly, what I would do is I would just sit down at the piano every day and I would just tinker. What sounds mm -hmm. good to me? 
and I would tinker and there'd be a lot of times where I had a lot of stress and I would just close my eyes and just play whatever notes came out, came out, no expectation, just, just letting it go. And now it's, um, you know, I, I actually went to get some piano lessons the other month and I sat down with a guy and he was trying to show me some stuff. And then I just started playing and he was going, what the heck? And he says, how do you know all these go together? And I said, well, they sound like they should go together. <laughs> he goes, do you know you're playing chords? Okay, what's in this chord? What he says, how do you not know this, but you're playing these things? And it's just because of that. So, uh, you know, and and so now I'm actually starting to learn a little bit more deliberately songs, things. But I, I hear a tune in my head or on the radio, and I'll stop by the piano and I'll pluck it out real quick. And then I'll go, okay, and then move on. And that's kind of how I do things. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's it's cool. that's what I do. I mean, I plunk around. I've got the electric, you know, electronic keyboard. I've had it for a long time, and sometimes I'm just like, okay, I got to put this stuff away. I push the on button. I can put on, you know, a beat or something or a different, you know. And I just and I have had uh, I've I've composed a couple of cool songs. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna have to get together. I want to hear some of the songs cool you compose. Stuff. I've actually cool got a, one or two myself, so that'll be great. Can you cook? Can I cook? I can cook. Yes, absolutely. Don't tell me hot dogs and beans. Oh, oh, okay. Well, then in that case, um, <laughs> it depends on your level of cook. Uh, you know, ramen soups. Man, I can make some mean ramen soups. Uh, they are. <laughs> Those things will kill you. Well, to be honest, okay. So now that you mention that, um, <laughs> so we were talking about the crosswalk earlier, right? Yeah. And here's the crazy thing. So uh, before when I before I did the crosswalk, I could go into a gym. My bench was over 400 pounds. Ooh. I could throw weights around. I was a machine. I could just go in and I was very strong and it was like Samson. I felt like I could walk through walls. Really. It was just, man. Um, and so shortly after I did my crosswalk, I was having chest issues. And I was like, what the heck? And I was driving by this hospital and I decided to go ahead and pull into the hospital. All right. So I went into emergency care. I'm feeling kind of silly at this point. I'm 35 years old. What am I doing walking into emergency care? I sit down. They take my blood pressure and everything changed. My blood pressure, I think at that point was 214 over 160. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, God. Yeah, it was, it was incredibly high. And they went into panic mode. Me, I'm sitting here like, okay, but it's a 216 over 160. I'm, I'm still kind of oblivious. And they're running around trying to get my blood pressure down. And they do all this stuff. They had me do a stress test, all these things. And they found out that I had 90% blockage in my coronary artery. Um, they put five stents in. And when I was in the hospital, I had a, a small stroke. Um, and so uh, overnight, I went from being Samson and being Hercules to being weak as a kitten and not being able to lift four pounds. Man. Um, I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn my left. It took me six months to get left and right. So it wasn't confusing anymore. Mm. Uh, you know, it was, I became dyslexic after that before I had no problem. Even to this day, I have to slow down with my reading. Otherwise I keep mixing letters up and mixing words up. And, uh, you know, it was a whole thing, but you know, in prison, I had a steady diet of ramen soups, chilies and Velveeta and stuff for 10 years, just putting this garbage. And we don't think about that. And at 35, 
it showed the results from doing that for so long. I thought I was in great shape, but turns out they told me at 35, I had the arteries of a 78 year old. Wow. And uh, so oh, I still I'll, I'll do it to you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That garbage will do it to you. So, I mean, I'm still got health issues. I was in the hospital in October. Same thing. I was swelled up like a balloon. I've got congestive heart failure, all these other things going on. And, you know, it's, I take it day by day. Some days I have days where I can't even put shoes on other days. I am just fine, have no issues and able to do things. Mm -hmm. And so, wow. You know, so that, being behind the camera works oh, out beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, I, it, it's, it can't even say it enough that our number one job is to take care of this thing right here. Because if you don't have this thing, you have nothing to care with, you know? Absolutely. You know, and that's even in business, especially doing a lot of meetings. I've had a couple different businesses in life and I'm always on the go running to meetings. You're waking up at the crack of dawn and rushing out the door, meeting with people at restaurants. You'll have three, four meetings a day at a restaurant from one place to another, blah, blah, blah. And your eating habits just become very bad very quickly, especially. And, and as a business owner, you're like, well, you know what? I'll take care of myself once I get financially able. I'm at this point and then I'll start taking care of myself. And slowly on the inside, we're just destroying ourselves and killing ourselves. And then all of a sudden wait, you wake up one day, bam, you're in a hospital mm -hmm. having stents put in. Um, and that's what you're fortunate. Number one killer is heart disease. It's yeah. the silent killer. Um, one day you're fine. The next day you your your whole life has changed or you're dead um and you know we tend to forget that as business owners or when we have a mission in life even reaching out to people hey i'm i'm so caught up in trying to help other people well are you taking time for yourself are you doing these things for yourself uh well i really don't have time for that you have to take care of just like what we were talking about you got to love yourself you got to take care of yourself before you can love and take care of other people and so strong. I'm still working on that. Yeah. It's so true. I told you before I had this back injury. And so for, you know, a couple of years, I mean, I was, I was for my entire like adult life since, well, since the military, right? Exercise, riding a bike, playing tennis, eating good, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I have this back injury, like your stint thing, and I can't get off the couch. And so for a couple of years, I'm like, I, I want to go do it, but I couldn't, you know, couldn't go and do the aerobic stuff, you know, get the heartbeat up and all that. I'm back closer than I'm, you know, I've been doing it. Uh, but it's not because, you know, I, I, I don't have the will because I do have the will. Yeah. So let me, let me, let me ask you a big question. Okay. So let's just. Big question. All right. Pretend. Okay. That. Everybody on the planet, our 7.78 billion people on the planet are watching us right now. So you, you have their undivided attention. Okay. What would you like to say to humanity? Well, the big thing is, just like with I have with EthoShift, is, is that we are designed to help lift one another up. We need to be lifting one another up in this world instead of tearing one another down. And we are the example, uh, not only for ourselves, but other people in this world. People look and watch 
what we're doing, whether we realize it or not, we are setting examples. We leave a fingerprint with every single person we see. And my question I would say to everybody is, what kind of fingerprint are you, lift, are you leaving with each person you see? Are you leaving a fingerprint of happiness, joy? Are you, do you have a smile on your face? Which I'm gonna tell you, putting a smile on your face is infectious. A laughing, if you've ever walked into a room where people are laughing, you don't know why all of a sudden you find yourself laughing. But you know, how we treat other people in this world is essential. We need to help lift one another up. We can go into a future of a cleaner world. We can go into a future where we work alongside with our neighbors again, but it starts with each and every one of us on how we treat our neighbor. Even if it's somebody that you don't like, somebody who's treated you badly, you know, if you still come back at them with love, peace, kindness, you're gonna see that change. So each one of you has the power to not only change your life, but the world around you and other lives. And you need to understand your power. You need to accept that. You need to live in that. And you need to go forward just helping everybody out. And you are going to see a chain reaction that truly changes the world. Mm. Wow, that's great. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Totally awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I really, uh, I really, it is a pleasure to be on this. And I thank you so much for allowing me to share the message that I have, uh, you know, and it's just like being on a show, being anywhere, you know, as a host for a show, you have to be careful of the people you allow on to share a message. Um, even when I got to speak on stages at churches, to me, it was an honor because they can't just allow anybody to get up there and say whatever the heck comes to their mind. Uh, you know, when you bring people on a show to share their message, it's kind of, you know, it's going, okay, is this person going to go completely crazy and, and say some ludicrous stuff that's going to, you know, like a riot. <laughs> yeah. Cause a riot, anything like that. Is this guy going to go all political on me? Is this going to turn into something where I'm getting hate mail? I mean, you know, it's tough. So again, that's why I tell everybody, I truly am thankful that you allow me to be on your show to spread this message. Thank you well, so much. You're very welcome, man. I appreciate it. You couldn't have done it with uh, camera. Thank you for again for the nomination. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tamara. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll tell you, Jeremy, I what I love about you is the, the not just the words that you're saying, but what you have behind the words. And and hear that it's coming from, you know, it's not like you don't have a rehearsed a rehearsal in there, you know. You 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 you've done the hard work. You've been there, you've paid for your, you know, for your mistakes. And uh, that's honorable. And yes, character is, is right there. So congratulations for the choices that you have made to turn your life around and for, you know, paying it forward. Because you're right. It is all about that. You know, we, we have a, a, a short time on this planet and uh, we can use it for, you know, for a good purpose or just let it go by. You know, I, my, 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 I, always, I learned a long time ago this. The R word, you know, the regret word. And um, a friend of mine said, you know, I just want to lay my head on my pillow every night and go, I did it. You know, today I did it. And uh, there's that last time that you're going to lay your head on the pillow and uh, and look back, back at the whole, our whole entire life, you know, and either look back and say, you know what? There were times when I didn't do it, 
And yeah, there's that regret. So it's about knowing it, it's keeping it alive in our brain uh, every day. And I think that by, by what you do, going out there and speaking, your podcast is a, is a total reminder. It's like people are like, why do you do this? I'm like, I'm like, I do this for me. I need to be reminded all the time. Right. To keep my standards up here, you know, like make my bed every morning. Who do I do that for? Not for you, but I, you know, it's a great example, but doesn't do anything. You know, it's like everybody's got to do their own push-ups. So, well, you know, it was one of the things when I watched, when I came to take care of my father, which is a whole nother story. That was a, you know, thing where we finally were able to grow and, and bury the hatchet towards the end. But I watched my father talk about all the things he wished he would have done in life. He had so many regrets, so many things that were on that list that he wished he would have done that he didn't go and do. And there's no do-overs. There's no at that point where I can go back and just start doing that. Unfortunately, it was too far. And it really was a wake-up call to me going, am I truly going after the things that I want in life? Am I doing these things? Because I don't want to wake up years down the road and say, I wish I would have done these things in life. I want to go, I'm glad I did these things in life. Mm. And it's scary. It's tough. Sometimes, uh, like we are talking about inconvenient, like going on that vacation. Look, there's people that have dreamed about going on a vacation their entire life and never went on that vacation. They've always had one reason not to do it or another. And then they're looking back going, I always wish I would have gone and seen this place that I always dreamed of going to do it. Uh, you know, we we have to make those dreams reality in our life. If there's something that you've wanted to do, skydiving, all these other things, go do it. Mm -hmm. Just you have to make the time. You have to make the way. And honestly, right now, even on vacations, things are so darn cheap. You can book airlines and uh, fulfill them. I mean, there's no real excuse anymore not to go do those. But, I know. Um, you know, we also put it off with our neighbors, our friends. I really want to talk to this person. I want to make up with this person for something I did and I'm afraid to talk to them about it. And then all of a sudden they pass or something happens. And then you've got that regret. I never got a chance to really talk with that person. Like I wanted to for years, um, all these other things. And we just can't live in a, in a, in a life of fear and regret and doubt. We just have to go forward and you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to, you're going to face awkward moments, humiliating moments. There's going to be a lot of hardship, but at the end of the day, you're going to be able to go, I went after it. I did it. And just even those steps, there's so many steps, but that is something essential in life you need to do. I love that. I went after it. I went after it. I went after it. That's it. I mean, that's the way it should be. The, the, I, 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 like I, I keep talking about life plan because I, what, what, what hurts me more than anything, what makes me the saddest thing that I see is that people are like climbing the wrong ladder and they get up to the top and they look out there and like, oh, it took me 10 years to get here. This is not what I wanted. Right. You know, so that's why it's so important to, to, to you know, to, to take an accounting sooner than later, you know, and put it together. I love what you were talking about, the whole regret thing with, uh, you know, because I, my second wife, amazing woman was, is a nurse, still is a nurse. And when we were married, she would come home and I'd say, you know, how was your day? She's like, oh, I met this woman today. She was wonderful. Just, oh, sweet. Oh, my gosh. She was amazing. And the next day she'd come home. Oh, my God. This other this guy was, he was so pissed off. He's like, where's my medications? Mm -hmm. You know? And then 
this was this went on for a long time. And then one day she came home and she's like, you know what? I figured it out. And I'm like, what do you mean you figured it out? What, what are you talking about? I figured it out. Why people are so pissed off when they're older like that? And I'm like, why? She said, because they realize that they had the chance to do it in their life, but they didn't. And now they're mad. And they, they don't even know, they're not even aware that they're, that's the reason. When yeah. you get to see from that perspective that they had this opportunity, and it's the same thing for me. I'm 61. I look back and I think, oh, you know, I could have done that. I could have done that. I've traveled all over the world, which has been a passion of mine for a long time. I don't regret one moment of it. I've done a lot of things, and I have a lot of living that yet to do, you know. So anyway, Jeremy, you're the best, man. Hey, thank you again for having me on here. And uh, yeah, I would love to talk with you some more. Uh, and anytime, just let me know when you want me on or anything like that. And I'm ready to go. Like I said, I could do this all day, every day. I just love doing it and sharing and get to know people. Cool. Um, can you send me a link to your podcast? Oh, I'll think about it. Uh, I can do that. <laughs> Will you? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to post it so that people can see if they want to go check it out. Absolutely. And um, all right, man, be well. Well, I'm going to let you know real quick. I'm so sorry to cut you off. I, I apologize. Um, I have Ethoship, but I'm starting one. So Ethoship is on that. And I'm starting one that's called JD's Mind. So it's JD and then Z, uh, the apostrophe Z, and then Mind. That one I'm going to be a little freer with. That one's going to be discussions about prison about anything, just having a good time talking with people. So I'm going to have that podcast up, but this one ethos shift is really with me interviewing more people about community and self growth. So, um, yeah. people can be on the lookout for that as well. Once we launch that. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Just send me whichever one so that I can, I can post it. And I want to say thank you to all of you who were watching or listening, um, friends all over the world. Egypt, uh, Ahmed was listening, Asmat was listening, Amy was, was a high school friend of mine, Don, a high school friend of mine, um, uh, Matt Reardon, I can't remember where I know Matt from, I think from high school, Hassan from Egypt, I told you there's a lot of Egyptians in here. Egyptian, hey, that's awesome. Yep, do you know Belinda Gittner? Belinda Gittner? Melinda? Melinda was watching earlier, she's, okay. uh, she's connected to some of the folks you know, uh, Doa is there my cousin mike hey mike i don't think hey, mike. right now but yeah we've had a pretty good following man good stuff Great. i love it i love it i know we went a little bit over maybe some time i don't know but uh that's okay you know like I said, when, it's, when you got a great discussion, it just tends to go. And I can't tell you how many times on my show where I'm like, I, you know, because I do an hour show and it's tough sometimes and I have to force things to close. And I'm like, I want to go on, but, you know. Okay. Uh, we'll get the hook. and Right. <laughs> Pull you off. All right, man. Be well. Thank you all. Stay inspired. Have fun. Talk to you all soon. Take care. right here jeremy lysky who is our next person behind the passion from uh mesa arizona how you doing jeremy hey i am wonderful it's a beautiful day out here in arizona and that is one of the reasons i love living out here <laughs> you and my brother both he's been shoving at in my face for 15 years he's like why do you still live in chicago man are you crazy oh man i just moved from decatur illinois uh, a couple years ago. Yes, yes. 
my whole mom's side of the family grew up in Decatur. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that explains why you're a little bit off, but that's yeah. all right. So we can. <laughs> well, I grew up in, in what I call the state of confusion, also known as Indiana. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and well, I moved recently to Illinois, which is now called the state of corruption. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, home of Al Capone, all that other. I mean, geez, Chicago is just embedded in corruption. It's it's crazy. Um, you know, actually, I went through one of those uh, tours where you get out. So when I went to Chicago, uh, I decided to do kind of like the explore type thing. And I did the uh, you know, I went on the double decker bus. I'm like yeah. all so exciting and then i went on they have the architecture tour on the boat out there right um, i'm gonna admit the the real reason i went and i paid like 20 bucks to go on this boat or whatever it was was because they had the cheapest beer in town it was only like two dollars a beer and i'm going well okay i did the math if i drink about 10 beers I'll, I'll be able to save myself more money by paying for the trip the beers there than i would in town so i said okay uh, went on this architecture tour and they tell you a lot about the history of the corruption, especially with Al Capone and <laughs> this, this turned into a whole different kind of show for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's great. No, I, I want to say welcome and, and thank you for accepting the nomination for Person Behind the Fashion. It's it, That's the name of this show. I'm going to put, let me put it up on the screen here. I, I forgot to put it up there. But uh, this is um, a, uh, a show where what we get to do is give people the opportunity to share about their passion. And uh, one of our former uh, person behind the passion, Tamara Lenan, she was the one who nominated you. And I just saw her. She's listening and watching. I want to say to her, thank you, Tamara, so much for paying it forward. And uh, yeah, Jeremy has something to say to you for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is great. Thank you so much, Tamara, for nominating me to be on this show. Uh, I'm really looking forward to talking. We got to talk with a little bit uh, behind the scenes, Dominic and I. And, uh, you know, it's it's awesome that we actually do share the same kind of passion. It's really reaching people and changing lives for people, inspiring that life change. And it's so awesome to meet other people that are on this kind of journey as well, because, you know, the whole thing I have this show, Ethos Shift, my whole thing with ethos shift is we are in this world together and we need to lift each other up and so it's really awesome and it's my honor to be on a show like this and to be able to reach out to other people thank you so much absolutely she says i'll put it up on the screen uh oh thank you you're both awesome you do great things for the community <laughs> Oh, she's awesome as well. I tell you the story behind Tamara and uh, why I work with her. This is a lady that's also met with a lot of adversity in life and overcome a lot to do what she does now and reach people. I'm going to tell you um, on a journey to do what we do. There are a lot of times there's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of frustration. Uh, you know, you get a lot of people that are saying, why are you doing what you're doing? Does that bring in a big paycheck? Does that do? And it's going, you know, they don't understand why we do what we do. And we face the hardships and we go through what we do is because we truly care about people. We truly want to see these lives changed. And, you know, it, it it's not an easy road to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. I mean, and 
anyway, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk in detail. I have a few questions for you because you are the person behind the fashion. For those of you who don't know what the Self-Achievement Network is, we are a, a, primarily a Facebook group, but we're on several other platforms. And uh, so our main purpose in life, the reason why we exist is to improve our world for all of us. And we do that by giving people the opportunity to either discover their passion if they don't know what it is, or to share their passion, like Jeremy's gonna do today, or to evolve their passion. And we give also give opportunity, you see all these little circles in the background. This is my uh, version, my mind map version of the Self-Achievement Network. So we've got all these little subgroups around us. And how that happened was I was interviewing people and um, realized that there's some people that are interested in uh, like, for example, art or art therapy or books and writing books, getting books published, um, leadership skills, uh, you name it. And so I thought, well, let's give them their own little group so that they can evolve their passion. And so these people are working inside their little group. Uh, my, my group is called, uh, where is it? <laughs> it's all backwards, right? Life Plan. No, the camera throws you off. Right. Life Plan is a it's a it's a self-discovery downloadable course that people can do you know you know in their own little you know private space and then there's coaching inside of a group that's included with the course. So discover their passion, share their passion, evolve their passion. So that's why we exist. And so this show that I came up with called Person Behind the Passion gives people the opportunity to share about their passion. And as you, you're watching, you can see this scrolling bar there. It says a passion for inspiring life change, right? Life change, which is what Jeremy is all about. After uh, a rock and roll life and home, yeah. and now he is in the groove of doing this amazing thing. So your life, your, your, your purpose right now is to support people in changing their life, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, it, like I said, but my tagline is when I really realized, you know, I saw so many people, especially now we have so much negativity. We have so many people that get on these forums and they're calling each other bad names. They're putting each other down. They're doing these things we have watching us. And when we're on these forums treating each other bad and badly, and when we're doing this in life, these this next generation that's growing up is seeing that and they're starting to emulate that. And as a result with that combined with other things, we're seeing suicide rates through teenagers skyrocket, not just with teenagers, with other people as well. Um, even soldiers, they used to have the uh, 22, which was 22 a day. Um, we've seen that figure starting to skyrocket. There's just so much negativity out there and it's time that people that have uh, stories, that it's time for and change that. We have the power to change that and get those figures down and reach these people. And, uh, you know, we need to be doing that. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to really try and change impact people's lives and uh, bring that number down and do the best that I can to do it. You know, mm -hmm. got to move that needle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, And I agree. I mean, I think that there is, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of negativity in the world and people, um, in my people are being negative and critical of other people it's only because they don't do what they know that they need to do in their own personal life so that they don't need to be critical of other people so you know if you're not looking in the mirror 
you're just adding to the problem. So, um, yeah, it's great to inspire people. So you're you're in there in Mesa, King, and you, you know you've been through a lot. I mean, we had this like 10, 15 minute conversation. My God, Jeremy, you've been like around the block a couple of times. Go back, what? take us back to like, um, let's say, once upon a time. Uh, when I was born in X, then continue what had what happened then. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in a, my father was a Navy man, first class petty officer in the Navy. So, um, yes, born in Bremerton, Washington on the Naval base there, then transferred to Pensacola, Florida, till I was about five. Then we went to Ohio, um, out or it was called Goodyear Aerospace, then Laurel, then who knows what it's called lab now. I don't know if Lockheed bought them, but, um, you know, anyway, so grew up in Ohio, um, I was one of those kids that was just an awkward kid in school. So I got picked on a lot in school growing up. And then my father was used to being around soldiers, not children. And so very short fuse. And, you know, that just compounded in life, especially after he got out of the military. And, uh, you know, he became abusive, unfortunately. Um, you know, so I grew up as this kid that was just filled with a lot of anger. Didn't have an outlet. Um, I was always getting into 